0: Heavenly Father, we bring everything to you. We bring all that we have and all that we are, even in this moment, Lord, I pray that you would, by your grace, allow us to lay aside, set down, Lord, everything that stands in the way of your word penetrating our hearts this morning. Lord, we love you and we honor you. We sing Praise to you, Lord, for you are worthy. Our friend and our Savior, in Jesus' name, Amen. Good morning, everyone. Well, your your regular pastor Eric isn't here today, so I'm filling in for him. Uh, of course, in all seriousness, it's uh, fantastic to be back with you, um, you know, uh, caring for my wife and my kids and the household and all of that is, um, was, it was and is difficult work, I think, as, as you would expect, um, and uh, being away from you all made it a little, just a little bit more difficult, but I'm so grateful uh, one, that I got the opportunity to be away for a few weeks to do that for my family, um, but also to be back with you. So uh, my name is Cameron. If we haven't met, I'm the pastor here. Um, and, um, and you are loved, and I love you, and I am so happy uh, to be with you. Um, I want to say a, sp- a very special thank you, of course, to Eric and john and for their um uh for their filling in for me in the last few weeks and they did uh, faithful good work here with the word and i'm just so so grateful for their uh for their ministry here uh, a few announcements before we jump into um there there he is there's one of them give john a hand would you Eric, Eric went right from preaching last week to serving downstairs in Conduit Kids this week, so he gets a special, special dispensation in heaven for that man, alright? Um, but we, uh, uh, just a few announcements for you, and then we'll pray, and then we're going to get into the Word um, this morning. Uh, the first is that, I just want to remind you that there is a, uh, another semi-half-day short work party going on here, um, not this coming Saturday, but the next, correct? June 5th. Um it would, be, we, it, would, it would be helpful to have maybe a few more people sign up for that. Those sign-up sheets are on one of the tall tables in the foyer. If you're able to make it, please sign up. If you have any questions, just ask Jake uh, up in the sound booth after service. Second announcement is we have had some questions the last um, couple of weeks about, like, hey, what's going on with the search for uh, an associate pastor and where are we and all of that. You know, we've talked about that um, several times We'll let you know that we are still searching. We went through one large round or group of candidates. And um, as I said to you at the beginning of the search, way back in the late winter, is that it's not our heart to just pick the best person out of the group of people that apply. Uh, We are really asking the Lord uh, to reveal who that person is To us specifically, whether or not we have to wait a month or whether we have to wait, you know, a year, um, we're trusting that the Lord will be really clear with us um, about who that person is, the right fit for our church and for the ministry here. Um, And so that search is still ongoing. In fact, I'm doing a few interviews for some new candidates this coming week. Um, And so please continue to be in prayer for us and for that process, and for that person, whoever, um, whoever they may be, uh, that all, everything will align in terms of timing um, for us and for them. Okay? All right. Um, now, Acts 3 and 4 that Eric preached on the last few weeks, I want to be really clear about something. I'm going to preach on it again today, okay? And it's not because Eric didn't do a good job, but because it is one of my most favorite passages in all of the New Testament, one of my favorite passages in all of Acts. And because it is because I feel like some of the messages or some of the things that we see there are so deeply rooted into my own personal vision for ministry, but also the kind of cultural values that we've kind of created as a church, um, and just the centrality of jesus and 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 the gospel of jesus christ as the thing that changes everything for everyone i want to preach on it more you good with that all right don't go telling eric that i think he did a bad job and so i just i'm cleaning up a mess it's not the case at all all right um so let's open our bibles to acts chapter three there's a bible in the seats next to you if you don't have one you can also uh, of course, use the Conduit Ministries app. It has got a phone or it got a Bible on it, and we should have it up here as well, for you, for you cool kids who use apps on your phone. Okay, Acts chapter three, Peter heals the crippled beggar. Lord, uh, I pray that as we open Your Word this morning, that Your Holy Spirit would carry its truth uh, deep into our hearts, deep into our lives that we would be changed in such a significant way. Um, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus against any scheme of the enemy to distract, to destroy, um, to plug the ears or harden the hearts of those hearing your word this morning. We pray, we pray, Lord, that you would open ears, open eyes, soften hearts, that your word may change us in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Acts chapter 3, this is right after Pentecost, right? In the early church. And Peter and John, it says in Acts chapter 3 verse 1, we're going up to the temple at the time of prayer. And now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts and when he saw Peter and John about to enter he asked them for money and Peter looked straight at him as did John and then Peter said look at us and so the man gave him his attention expecting to get something from them and then Peter said silver or gold I do not have but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth get up and walk now what's interesting here is that the, that Luke, who is the writer of Acts, kind of shares some details that I think kind of like set a cultural stage for what was going on in this man's life and probably had going on, been going on in this man's life for really forever. We anticipate that he was, you know, every single day crippled from birth, the scriptures say, brought to the temple gate so that he would have some type of purpose, some way of um, providing for him himself as his he was not able to work and so he was he was brought and he was set at the the beautiful gate which was one of the most like the one of the most busiest gates to come in and out of the temple and so this guy was undoubtedly just kind of lost in a sea of religious experience right there were probably people that walked by him every single day without fail, and never saw him. Uh, his, his existence was one where he sat on the ground, probably actually laid on the ground, and and everyone would walk by them as they would go in um, to worship God, to um, offer sacrifices, to be in prayer, to, to take up this religious experience. And it seems at least, that this man was rarely the recipient of any type of um, compassion or real attempt at life change for him by people who were there to do their religious duty and then out the door. And so he was set there, presumably by friends or family, begging for what he needed. And I'm assuming that it you know, when you do something long enough, however menial the task and however however like, others would look at it, you be, you begin to take, take that thing up as an identity, right? Where, where, where this guy probably saw it as just his identity in life to be a crippled beggar at the gates of a religious enterprise at that time. Um, rarely uh, maybe interacting with or being involved with those passing by. That's why the, his interaction with Peter and John is so significant. It's because um, it, says, it says Peter turned and looked at the man and looked at him intently. It's like looking at him straight in the eyes. like the, an interaction that likely never happened before that was, that was very personal in nature. See, this guy had this ailment and it was, for him, manifested in this physical crippling. He couldn't walk or he couldn't walk correctly. We're not really sure. But those around him had prescribed for him they had prescribed for him kind of a, a course of treatment or a course of action for this thing that he was experiencing. And they pigeonhole it down to your job in life, your role is going to simply be to sit at the gates and beg. That's how, that's how this whole thing is going to make sense for you. That's how it's going to be worthwhile. That's how life is going to kind of organize itself for you. Um, it seems to me that there is this, there's this dichotomy or this comparison between his friends or family who carried him to the temple gate and sat him down every day and said, okay, just sit and beg. We'll come back and get you when it's over. And the response of Peter and John when they, when they saw the brokenness in the man, when they saw that he was crippled, when he saw that, like, this is kind of like the identity that he had taken upon himself. If we take those two, the two different responses, we see really something that we, we experience even today. right? There's a, there's a problem right, in my life. I am broken. I am depressed. I am sad. I am angry. I am addicted. And if we're not careful, the people that we gather around us will prescribe for us all kinds of different remedies to that, right? They'll carry us to the proverbial gates of whatever the world says will work to fix this brokenness and they set us there and they say, here, just sit here long enough and what you're going through will kind of flush its way out, right? Here is, uh, well, what you really need to do to get out of this situation is just do this or or you just need to tweak or change this little behavior or this little practice or get rid of that relationship or get get what what you really need is you just you need a better job and so you have a better future and you need more money or you just here just take this one book you read this one book it will change everything for you it will make it all better right Go see this one person. Go talk to this one thing. Go make that one change. Little tiny tweaks along the way. And the world says eventually, if you read enough of Oprah's books, right, all of your problems will melt away into a sea of self help utopia. Right? And you'll be good. And so we have that. Kind of like, that kind of ideal. But, but what did, literally, what did a lifetime of sitting at that gate and begging do for this man? Did it change anything about his circumstances? Anything about his identity? Anything about his worth or his purpose or anything? Absolutely not. It, the reality here is this, and I want you to listen to this very closely, is that you and I, we can spend a whole lifetime making small little changes that the world recommends that we change and never experience true freedom or healing. Ever. We can follow every rule, every recommendation, we can read every book, we can do absolutely every little small adjustment to try and change the brokenness, to try and initiate healing, to try and break free from that that pattern, right? We can do that for our entire lives and never, ever experience freedom. Now, before we get into... Peter's reply to this man as he, kind of sit or as he kind of encountered him and saw him. I don't know. And I'm imagining Peter and John walking in, and maybe they had walked by this man before, but maybe they had never seen him before. But I, I am, I am imagining that after Pentecost, when Peter and John were filled with the Holy Spirit, right, and and the power and presence of God. Filled their lives for mission and ministry. And they saw the world through a completely different lens. And it was at this point where this guy was like, you know, like, begging that he was like, maybe he saw him for the very first time. Literally saw him. Not just recognized him, but like saw into him. Saw who he was saw what he was experiencing, saw what he was going through. And I imagine at that point that Peter had this like, it like clicked for him for a moment. This whole life, this man has been sitting here, right? Powerless. Powerless to improve his own position in life, his own infirmity, his own situation at all. And so maybe he chooses not to give silver or gold that day because he didn't have any. Now, this passage has often been used, unfortunately, um, to rationalize the inactivity of followers of Jesus Christ at offering actual, real, tangible, for instance, financial assistance to those who are in need, right? Right? Well, Peter and John saw this crippled guy who was asking for for silver and gold and they didn't give it to him. Instead, they just prayed for him. So that's why, that's why I don't use any of my earthly resources to help people who are truly in need because that's not what Peter and John did. They simply just prayed for the man and he healed. Okay, I got it, right? Um, Here's the deal I'll make with you. If you pray for someone who is crippled from birth and they get up and they walk, you don't have to give them any money, all right? Deal deal no argument from me whatsoever right see what this passage is not saying right is don't bother helping anyone with the actual resources that you have don't bother just pray for them in fact in a few days here I'm going to preach out of Acts chapter 6 which is where the leaders of the New Testament church are like holy cow we there's a giant gap in our ministry to widows and the poor and we need to organize ourselves so that we don't we don't let anyone fall through the cracks in their actual like physical needs that they have right and so the the whole new testament new testament church was organized around both right serving the actual physical needs incarnating the love of jesus into the hearts and minds and lives of others But also understanding that the main gift, the main power that they had was not something that they could give, but something that was in them, and that was the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't a both and, or um, either or, it was a both and. We do both. We offer healing and transformation and power through the presence of the Spirit. And we also understand that the things that God has given to us He's given to us so that we may steward them to bless others. So understand that, that, that this is not saying that we should just not bother helping anyone with the resources that we have. What it is saying is that when you and I, right, when, when those of us who have Jesus Christ and who are filled with the Holy Spirit, when we rely solely on the world to heal brokenness, solve the problems, address the pain, um, bring the healing, we will always and perpetually be searching for true and actual relief. It just does not hit the mark. It doesn't make the grade. See, the reality is here is that Peter does not have what the man wants. And what the man wants is enough silver and gold to make him feel like, in his crippled, broken state, he can be useful or has worth. And what Peter understands, right, is that this man doesn't even know what he actually needs. He thinks he knows what he needs because the world has told him time and time again, this is what you need, this is what you must do, this is the activity that you need to be involved in, To make this whole crippled thing you're going, uh, you're you're experiencing uh, worthwhile, right? The world always tries to bring purpose to your pain, right? The true purpose to our, our pain is only and ever found in the redemptive love of Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can bring true purpose to pain, true purpose to brokenness, true purpose to that state of being crippled, whether that crippling is physical or emotional, mental or spiritual. So relying on the world to heal brokenness, to solve the problem, to address the pain, to bring healing will always leave us searching for true relief. Peter does not have what the man wants, but he certainly has and offers him what he needs. You may be here this morning... Wanting relief. Wanting healing. Wanting wholeness. Wanting wanting the brokenness to be fixed. Wanting the emptiness to be filled. Wanting the loneliness to be over. Wanting the chaos of your mind or your life being brought to peace. Listen, I don't have any self-help advice for you. I don't have three steps to defeating depression or anxiety, right? I don't, I don't, have, I don't have that. But what I, what I do have, I will give to you this morning. The gospel of Jesus Christ changes everything. Jesus will change everything for you. Faith in Jesus Christ, being filled with the Holy Spirit, the love of God should abroad in your heart and your life will change it. It will take the brokenness and it will heal it. It will take the loneliness and it will fill it. It will take the pain and it will bring purpose into it. And that is exactly what Peter says to this man. Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I am going to give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And he does. Now what I find, um, I, I I I would say interesting, but I would say that it is, it's been shown to me in the course of, you know, 15 years of ministry now, that this really is the case when the church is not careful, okay? It is this. I'm going to look at the way that the beggar responds after he is healed, okay? This is very important for you and I, church, okay? We must get this part right. Um, in verse 11 of Acts 3, Um, You know, this guy, he's healed, right? And he he gets up and he runs into the temple and he's praising God and everyone is looking at them like, well, uh, I think that's the guy that, but I'm used to looking at the top of his head, not like looking at him eye to eye. I don't, I think that's the guy that, did did Peter and John just heal him? Um, Look at how it describes the actions of the beggar in verse 11. ...of Acts chapter 3. While the beggar held on to Peter and John... ...all of the people were astonished and came running to them... ...in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. What is this? What's happening here? Look, this man had been crippled from birth. Everyone had walked by him. Nothing had worked. Nothing had helped. Really, in this moment, in the celebration of his healing... He's kind of revealing that he could have had six bags full of silver and gold, but they, they, they were not bringing him the joy, the peace, the fulfillment, the celebration that the simple act of healing was bringing him in that moment, right? His soul was exploding with the evidence of what it actually needed that whole time, which was, what a, which was a word and movement of the Lord upon him. And so, when he finally got... Not what he thought he wanted, but what he actually needed, what was his response? Oh, Peter and John, huh? thank you. I'm never leaving your side. He was holding on to Peter and John. I can imagine like this, thank you for saving me. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for changing my life. Just like absolutely attached to Peter and John. And, listen, as a man who preaches the gospel, as a man who baptizes people, as a man who, who has been doing this for a while now, I will be honest with you, it feels really good when the gospel is proclaimed into someone's life, they believe it by faith, their life begins to change, and then they look at you like a spiritual superhero, The flesh loves it. Right? Like, oh, you're darn right I saved you. (laughs) Sure did. Sure did. But let me tell you what the Holy Spirit is like danger, 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 warning, warning, warning. You didn't save no one. Right? I do not save anyone. I do not heal anyone. I do not put the pieces together. I do not heal the brokenness. I do not fix the depression or the loneliness or anxiety. Right? I, I, cannot, I cannot make you believe or understand how, how, how much God loves you or the value of your worth to your... Creator. I I proclaim the goodness of God and then the Holy Spirit of God grabs that message and shoves it way down deep into your heart, right? And by the grace of God and through your willingness, it takes root and starts to grow and the Holy Spirit disciples you to Jesus Christ himself and Jesus changes you. And Peter and John were mature enough, maybe, or maybe just aware of their own like, f- spiritual frailty enough to understand that, hey, look, man, it was not me that did this for you. It was not me. What, is, what do they say? <clears throat> um, where am I? The God of Abraham, verse 13, uh, chapter 3, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob... The God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. Down to verse 16. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. There was none of this, wow, our church, we did it. We did it. We saved them. Everyone. Our pastor is him. Or man, you know, like I just sat with this person and served them for so long and and, and finally shared the gospel with them and we we I got him saved. I understand that sometimes there's like a it's lost in translation, right? But but understand this, church, right? The minute that we that we rely on ourselves. As the proprietors of salvation, whether it be mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, whatever, right? We um, we begin peddling the wares of the world. We are not self helpers. We are Jesus proclaimers. And and Jesus does what only Jesus can do when he heals your brokenness. And so let me me be really clear with you this morning, right? If you are here this morning, still chasing every bullet point of advice that the world has given you to heal your brokenness, to take away your pain, to fix that relationship, You will be chasing your tail forever. Jesus is your path to healing. Jesus is your path to wholeness. I know what you're saying right now, but I'm just going to try one more. Just one more. How many times have you tried one more time? How many times have you tried one more thing? How many times have you tried one more tweak to the lifestyle to see if it just works? Surrender your heart to Jesus and he will change everything that the world is unable to change. And more. Listen, we don't heal people. We don't provide hope. We don't change lives. We need to hold very loosely to the things of this world and hold tightly to Jesus because he is the power of salvation and healing. Now listen, we point the way, we proclaim the name of Jesus, and this is our distinctive message as as a church. You see, it's so funny that as 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 believers in Jesus, as we have the Holy Spirit in us, we proclaim. The the gospel is ours to proclaim and share. It is the the ultimate tool for a person's healing in every dimension, and we still don't use it as we should, or as readily as we should, right? Peter deflects the glory to Jesus, Acts chapter 3, just like we wrote, or just like we just read. Peter points to the true place of healing. In verse 16 and then later in chapter 4, he says, It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Listen, when the church tries to peddle the methods of the world as keys to your personal freedom... We just show how weak and anemic we believe the gospel is. If we hold on to the truth as is our number one core value that Jesus is everything and the gospel changes it all, it would be our solution to virtually every single um, instance of a person's brokenness, right? Whether that brokenness be physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, whatever the case may be. Right? That that welling up of faith that this is actually true. right? That's, our, that's the number one thing that the church has to offer. Is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The number one thing that you have to offer as someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit and full of faith of Jesus is, that, hey look, Jesus took what the world couldn't do in me and he did it. I don't know how it happened, but let me give it to you because it's the only way forward. <clears throat> but I also want to be super clear about this. I've been open with you all about my struggle with addiction and my struggle with mental health, right? And and how uh, and how I I see a therapist and I, I go to the doctor, right? And when I need when I'm sick and I need some medicine, I, I take medicine, right? We're not again making this so stark of a dichotomy that make us like snake oil salesmen where we can say just let a snake bite you right and it'll be fine because you have Jesus not what I'm saying right what I'm saying is is that is that where we put our trust where we put our hope where we place our faith matters and if we place all of our trust into the ways of the world to heal the brokenness of our lives we will always end up empty We put our trust in Jesus. And doctors really can help. They really help, they do a lot of good. We we put our hope in Jesus. And man, man, therapy is a a great tool to work through some some of the issues that you're experiencing in life. We put our faith in Jesus, it's a really wise principle. To save money. Well, I don't need to save. I've got Jesus. That's a terrible strategy. <laughs> Jesus wants you to save money. Take, I promise. Alright? It's in there. Okay? It's not an either or an or. Right? But it is a, well, I don't need to trust in Jesus because you should see the size of my savings account. Right? Or... I don't need to pray about this because I have the best doctor in the world. I, I don't need to go to therapy to talk to someone who has experience dealing with these types of things because um, Jesus is going to heal me. No, girl, you crazy, go to your therapist. And we'd be praying for you, okay? Both. See, we, we set our feet firmly on Jesus. We set our feet firmly on Jesus. That's where my hope is. That's where my trust is. That's where my faith is. Doctor, you ain't going to save me. Therapist, you ain't going to save me. Big bank account, you ain't going to save me. Jesus is going to do all of that. Thank you for your help, though. You're, you're, you're really helping me. Don't get those twisted. Don't get those mixed up. Right, the minute we get those mixed up, is is the minute we, we become powerless. Is the minute minute everything that Jesus, in, you know, um, the, everything that Jesus did, all the power wrapped up in the Holy Spirit that lives in you, is becomes anemic and weak. listen, we don't have we don't have to give the world what they think they want or need. What we must do as as those who believe in the power of Jesus Christ and the filling of the Holy Spirit must proclaim and give that to others knowing that it is Only in Jesus that brokenness is made whole. It is only in Jesus that the sick are made well. It is only in Jesus that your loneliness will be, I just need one more relationship, one more gal, one more guy, one more person to fill that void. I'll feel good after this. I'll feel better if I get a new that I will fill it with one more piece of that. Small tweaks. Listen, you know they don't work. You know it doesn't work. You know it doesn't. Because you've been doing it for all of your life and it's never worked for you once. If I can put it any more simply, I would just say this. Are you ready to try something new? Are you ready to trust in someone different? Are you ready to place the hope for your future in someone else's hands? I've got news for you. Silver or gold. I do not have, but what I have to you, what I have I give to you. Jesus will change everything for your life. Jesus will change everything for your relationships. Jesus will change everything for your situation, everything for your brokenness, everything for your pain. Jesus is the answer unequivocally, not ashamed, 100%. We'll say that till the day I die and we're proclaiming that in heaven, Jesus is the answer. If you're ready to stop trying to make it work your own way, and and ready to surrender to the answer that is Jesus, you're in the right place, and you're with the right people, and we want to walk with you in that decision. Pray over you, Support you, encourage you, love you, cry with you, laugh with you, yell with you, help you experience the life change that is offered in Jesus. As always, we are going to be praying up here, both right when I'm done and after service. Stacy's getting prayed for, she didn't, maybe she didn't know, but she's getting prayed for t- today going into surgery this week. All right? And if and if you want prayer, if you're like, yeah, I'm done with this. I'm done with this life of trying to do it myself. We'll pray for you as well. If you are ready. If you are ready to say, yeah, I am I am fed up with weak, anemic, powerless methods of trying to make life work and I need Jesus. He can be found here. Come and see me afterwards. We'll pray for you. We'll surround you. We will love you. I'm going to invite Ellen and her team back up.